Welcome, welcome, welcome. Running a little late, but welcome to the Tuesday Night Flight. Presented to you by the Sideline Junkies. It's me, it's me, it's the big guy, KG. Sitting in with the incomparable, the undefeated, the immeasurable, uh, the immovable, um, whatever you want to call him. He's still a midnight rider. What's good, man? What's good? Nothing much, man. How you feeling tonight? I'm good, man. I'm good. Yo, I All got right. something. You know what? I think I got something. Not, not for this show, but... I do a WrestleManiacs. We might have a little something different. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. I don't know if I'm going to do it yet. I got <laughs> to talk to some sources and see what's up. Okay. Now, we run a little behind tonight. Normally, we start about 8, 8.15-ish. But one thing you can guarantee about the sideline junkies, we may come in late, but we leaving on time. So... <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump into this thing because we got a lot to talk about. And I'm not going to say a little bit of time. We got a lot to talk about. Now, I want to get to a lot. Now, the boss BJ is on special assignment. He might pop in tonight. He might not. So his opinions about his Buffalo Bills will be, uh, if not tonight, will be a separate show. Uh, He always does it every year, end of the season, like clockwork. But I also need to write my piece about the commanders end of the season because I'm a couple of weeks late with that, but I want to see how some things go. But the boss BJ's Buffalo Bills dropped a heartbreaker to the Bengals on Saturday. Sunday, I'm sorry, Sunday. Uh, 27 to 10. Joe Burrow, 23 to 36, 242 yards, two touchdowns. The run game for the Bengals, Joe Mixon. 20 carries, 105, and a touchdown. Samaji Piran, former Redskin, seven carries, 33 yards. Joe Burrow, six carries, 31 yards. He's not even a runner. Jamar Chase even had one for three yards. That's where they got over on Buffalo. On Buffalo side, Josh Allen, 25 42, 265, but they did not run the ball effectively at all. Allen, eight carries, 26 yards, and a touchdown. Singletary, six carries. 24 yards. James Cook, five carries, 13 yards. I don't think that's enough running to be done in that type of weather. It was snowing sideways, but I digress. Midnight Rider, what you got on this game? I think we called it. Um, I think I said Buffalo. I think um, BJ said Buffalo. Uh, The game kind of went the way I thought it was going to go, where Joe Burrow just looked like he was a man on a mission, and he's been a man on a mission Every time the Buffalo Bills jerseys come across his screen or or across his face, uh, I think he dissected him. I think they put together a good game plan for running the ball, and then they just they just took advantage of every opportunity they got. <clears throat> and I think Buffalo, we kind of mentioned it before. You said something on the other shows where you were like, um, "Who did you say?" You said hey, um, Hamlin. If Hamlin comes back, he's in the locker room. Or he's at the game, they're gonna show him. <clears throat> I think they just ran out of juice. I think that emotional roller coaster, every now and then, even though that roller coaster goes up, it must come down. And they look like a team that just was emotionally out of it at the end of the game. Like they just had nothing left. They had the will, the want to, <clears throat> but they just didn't have the energy. And that's tough. It's tough when you come off of something that emotional and that taxing. That's the word I'm gonna use taxing. I agree with you a thousand percent. Now, here's my thing. I'm glad you brought up DeMar Hamlin because now there's 
TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. There's all these conspiracy theorists. Oh, well, he wasn't at the game and he's a clone. And why won't he show his face? Why won't he do interviews? Please stop. You're giving me a goddamn aneurysm. Please stop. With all of the daggone conspiracy theories. But here's the thing. You'll say something about DeMar Hamlin being a, a conspiracy theory and him not being real and this, that, and the third. But you won't believe the conspiracies that are happening right in front of your face. And they've been happening for years, but you won't believe them. But you'll make up some bullshit like this. Stop it. We just came through one of the most trying times in the NFL as a fan, not to mention as a player, where you almost saw someone lose their life on the field in our lifetime. And you turn that around to make it into a conspiracy theory. Please stop it. You sound like fools. You look like fools. Stop making assumptions about why he won't do this and why he won't show his face. He has that right. Okay. Now, peeping into this game, if Buffalo, I'm not going to steal the boss BJ's thunder. Not going to steal his thunder at all because he has a lot to say. So I'm not going to say the things that I know he would say. If Buffalo could have possibly, put their road graders up front and ran this ball. This game would have been totally different because they could have took control, but it looked like no matter what the offensive line, the defensive line, they were on their heels the whole entire game. I said to the boss BJ, and I think he said right after I said it, the announcer said it. I said, why does it look like Buffalo need to change their cleats? Like they need to use longer cleats because they're sliding. They're on their heels. They're backing up. They can't gain any ground. And Tony Romo said it right after I said it. When you know in pregame warmups, everybody goes out, they test the field, you know, they see what it is. Okay, maybe I need to wear longer cleats. We grew up in an era of removable cleats where you unscrewed them bad boys, you screw longer ones in for weather like this so you could get traction. When you were on the sideline, you had the mat out, you were cleaning the mud from in between your cleats and everything. You it seemed like Buffalo was ill-prepared for the advantages they had in front of them. The Bengals, they, they, they took over and never looked back. Uh, Stephon Diggs had a little blow-up mm -hmm. after the game. Well, during the game and then after the game. And word on the street is he said every year the same thing. Shit's getting old. I talked to the boss, BJ, and I said something to him. I don't I, I can't say it was encouraging because it, it's really it really wasn't. It was just something like hold on to that rope because look at the Raiders from let me see, I think 65 all the way up to 75, 10 years. They were bridesmaids. Mm -hmm. Eat the they got to the championship and lost to the eventual champion or they got to the Super Bowl and lost. Either way, they lost every time they lost in the playoffs, they lost to the eventual champion. Now, don't get me wrong. They had great games in that stretch. You had 
the holy roller game goes to the post sea of hands um shoot in that stretch you had the immaculate reception you had some of the greatest games in nfl history and if you notice the greatest games of the 60s and 70s mostly involved the raiders if you notice that mm-hmm. they mostly involved the raiders and the raiders were tops of tops but they always lost to the eventual champion or the upcoming champion that's why i think buffalo is right now i don't think there's a problem with coaching I think you may, you know, some play, a play here, a play there, a call here, a call there. I think that's all they had going wrong. If Buffalo could get the pieces they need in the offseason, I don't care who you throw money at, get the pieces they need in the offseason and gear up, not for a one-year run, but for a three-year run, a four-year run. I think you'll see a different Buffalo squad. <clears throat> so what pieces do you think they need to go get? Was that well, a, is that a BJ thing? That's a BJ thing. Cause he'll tell you better than I can tell you. Me personally, I asked him after the game, <clears throat> I said, um, Deron Payne to Buffalo. He said, I'm scared. We get Deron Payne and then he go back to doing nothing that he did two years ago. And then we own all this money because you got Ed Oliver. Right. You got uh, Tim Settle was supposed to go up there and wreak havoc. And I'm like, dog, you were doing pretty good here while you were in rotation. What happened? You got your chance to shine. That's why you left here. What happened? They need secondary help because they were paper thin in the secondary. That's one thing that I know they need. And I know the boss, BJ, agree with that. If he wants. I need a pass rusher. Yeah, because uh, they got. I'm thinking they're gonna have Von Miller back next year, but you need he needs help. You have gonna have Russo as well. Yeah, and Russo looks. He was chasing Joe Burrow. He looked like he was running with cement shoes on. <clears throat> That's how. But they need some. They need somebody off the edge, and they need somebody to hold that middle. Okay. That's my opinion. The boss BJ get into it more. That's just me. I think they need a running back. That's where James Cook was supposed to come in. He was supposed to be that guy. Devin Singletary last season, I asked the boss, BJ, during the playoffs last year, I said, was Singletary running like that all year? He said, yeah. I said, man, every time this dude touched the ball, he gained five yards. He touched the ball. He fall forward. He runs like uh, Antonio Gibson used to run when he ran through the middle. Like He ran through the middle and just fell forward, and he had an easy five. Let him run through the middle with a nice hole. He had seven to 12. And he was doing that against Kansas City. And I'm like, dog, keep giving him the ball. You're going from first and 10 to second and short. First and 10 to second and short. First and 10 to second and short. You can't knock that. So yep. just, just my opinion from the outside looking in. But I'm sorry for the Bills. I have to say congratulations to the Bengals. So now, so now what you're going to have is it looks like you have a three-team fight. Basically, to see who wins the AFC. Yeah, Bengals and the Bengals go on to play the Chiefs on Sunday and the Bills. Those are your three. Bengals, Bills, Chiefs. What three? What three? The number of times the Cincinnati Bengals have beaten um, the Kansas City Chiefs. Three times in a row, yeah. Three times in a row, that is true. 
we gonna we now we we gonna dig into that on Thursday. That's content. That's content. Yeah, we're gonna dig into that on Thursday. But they will face the Chiefs on Sunday at 6 30 in Arrowhead. And people say that the Bengals took that whole oh, buy your tickets down in uh in Atlanta. They took it personal. You know, they told the, the, the fans to buy tickets for the AFC championship in Atlanta, and we took it personal. Yeah. So he told them to get the refunds. Yeah. Moving on to the late game, and I, I have to say something. I, this is big for me. Absolutely big. The San Francisco 49ers beat the Dallas Cowboys mm-hmm. 19 to 12. Mm-hmm. My big announcement to the San Francisco 49ers, the Niners gang. All you fans, congratulations. You've arrived because you showed you didn't have to. You could win it, knock down, drag out. You could grind out a win because that's what this was. This was a grind out win. There was no control for either team on this one. And San Francisco showed that they could win gritty style. Congratulations. You've arrived. I said it weeks ago. You haven't arrived yet because it wasn't no standout win. Everything was Fun and games, you know, when it got rough, they lost those games. They lost four games and those games were games that they could have won, but they lost. Them. <clears throat> this is a grind out game. 19 to 12 over the Dallas Cowboys, uh, Brock Purdy. And I, I, <laughs> I said, I wanted to put this up. I don't know if I think I'm gonna have to trademark this, but welcome to the Purdy. The dude is Mr. Irrelevant. 19 to 29. 214 yards, no touchdowns and no picks, but he is shrewd in his decision-making. And I I don't want to take anything away from when I say this. (laughs) What is that? Come on over to the family of Shanahan, man. Don't get me wrong. I love the Shanahans. And I don't want to take anything from him when I say this. Is it the offense? Or is he just that damn good that he's finding an open receiver every time? And when it's like, dare I say it, when they draw this play up, it reminds me of what uh, Bill Walsh told Dwight, Dwight Clark. He said, Dwight, if you run this slant at this particular time and they run this defense, there's going to be nobody near you within 15 yards. Dwight Clark said he ran, he went out there and a slant could be. A normal slant, slant go, a hitch. It could be a different thing. It depends on what the defense did. He ran this slant, was anticipating contact. Nobody was there. That's the way this San Francisco team is playing. And I, I'm 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 here for it, especially on, on, on Sunday. I was here for it. Um Elijah Mitchell, 14 of 51. Christian McCaffrey, uh 10 carries for 35 yards and a touchdown. Debo Samuel didn't run the ball very much, four for eleven. Uh, use check had one for eight, and Brock Purdy had three for eight. Uh, George Kittle, this dude is just having absolute fun. That's all he's doing. He's having fun. Uh, five catches, 95 yards. Debo Samuel, four for 45. Jawan Jennings, uh, two for 26. And Brandon Ayuk, two for 26. Christian McCaffrey was six for 22. Fred Warner and uh, Jimmy Walsh, uh, Shavaris Ward. This defense, 
them dudes fly to the goddamn ball. I will say that. I said it in the preview when we they played um they played us. Yes, told you. All three levels, there's dogs on all mm-hmm. three levels. <clears throat> Warner r- runs like a four three four four. Um, Green Leaf, Green Law, Green, Green Law. <clears throat> he's a he's a monster. You got um the strong safety Hafanga. Yes, that's my dude. D- Yo, all you gotta do, I'm gonna tell you right now, just go back. Baldy NFL on Instagram mm-hmm. and just look through the clips. And it's, I'm telling you right now, every other week or every two weeks, he's got him in a clip. He said he's mentored by, they said on uh, Troy on Fox that he's mentored by Palomalu. I was like, it makes sense because the, the, he came through on a blitz and he came up to the line. He stopped. And then the ball was snapped, but before the ball was snapped, he was already leaning forward. He shot the gap. And I was like, get this sack, get this sack, get this sack, get this sack. And it just, oh, my God. When I see secondary play like that, it makes me, it, I tell my wife all the time, it makes me want to just be like, you know what? I need to go get my ankle state. I, I want to go play on this defense. I, I want to play on this defense. I just want to be around these guys because they fly around the ball. They, that's what they do. Um, for the Cowboys, Dak Prescott, uh, twenty-two of thirty-seven, two hundred six yards, a touchdown, and two picks. Ezekiel Elliott, uh, ten carries for twenty-six yards. Tony Pollard, six carries for twenty-two yards. Also left the game in the first half with a fractured fibula, so he'll have surgery and he'll wind up being out for quite some time. Uh, C.D. Lamb. 10 catches, 117 yards. Dalton Schultz, five carries. I mean, uh, five catches for 27 yards in the touchdown. <sighs> the things that came out after this game, the, let's, let, let's talk about the last play. This last play of this game was so bad, it had Jim Zorn trending on Twitter. Mute button. Swing and gate. Of course. That, and everybody said this is Mike McCarthy's swing and gate. I don't know what in the blue hell Kellen Moore was thinking. I don't know why you would draw something up like this and have Ezekiel Elliott playing center. He got bulldozed, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But here's my thing. You practice every day for end of game scenarios and this is the best thing you can come up with i seen a tweet and i want to say it was from bj you still want kellen moore as a head coach is he still a top candidate for a head coach after that bullshit Mm -hmm. he shouldn't be because you you need a touchdown we've seen what laterals can do in the nfl well, yeah, that too. You know, it's it's all about the uh, skin folk and all that. But you've seen what laterals do in the NFL. So you had, and I think they had planned on doing a bunch of laterals. Yeah. But you didn't even set it up right. <clears throat> Why? I don't understand it. 
I think the linemen were going to come down and start making blocks <clears throat> as the laterals happen. I, I, only thing I can think of. That way you don't get illegal man downfield. Mm-hmm. So stuff like that. So <clears throat> that's my thought process. When I saw it, just like, wow, your, your center is your running back? Like, how do how? It doesn't make much sense, does it? He must have been the first pitch. But he got mm-hmm. I don't know if he could have been that or what, but I'm I'm not. Me personally, I, I wasn't feeling it. And I was like, yeah, this is about to be a disaster. And it was. Now, I'm going to tell you what was more of a disaster. The amount of cowboy fans that punch TVs. I seen a video, uh, a, a clip on um, Sports Center. On their IG page, a gentleman took the TV outside and ran it over with the truck. Um, that was fake. Because you know, you a married man. Your wife ain't laughing in the background when you're carrying the TV out. Unless that's the TV you're trying to get rid of. My wife ain't ain't laughing in the background about me carrying the TV out in the first place. Because she know no matter what, she just had to make me get rid of a TV that we had sitting in the top of the closet. She said, why are you holding on to it? I was like, because I just bought a cord for it. And I'm going to use the cord and we're going to use it as a gaming TV. She was like, get rid of it. I was like, no, nah, we're going to use it. She was like, get rid of it. I was like, all right, look, if there's something wrong with it, I'll get it fixed. She was like, get rid of it. Right. No, nah, it's going to sit in the closet. I just got rid of it after like her telling me to get rid of it for six months. Mm-hmm. I don't get, I don't throw out TVs. Like, I still got a tube TV that I bought my mother back in 2001. Okay, you got to get rid of that one. No, man, that's my gaming TV. I don't get rid of that. Because that's what I play my old games on. That's what I play the Super Nintendo and the uh, Nintendos and all that on. Jeez. Man, I'm old school with it. I bought my mom that TV. Pregnant back TVs, yeah. Yeah. I bought my mom that TV. No, I take that back. I bought that TV for her in 2000. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. It was 2001 because I bought uh, bought her TV and then the following week, no, I bought myself a PS2 first, and then I bought her a TV, and then I bought Gauntlet Dark Legacy when I bought her a TV, because we went to Best Buy out in, uh, on Route 1 and get ended. I'll never forget that. That was the first time I could buy my mother a TV, because I promised it. That's why I won't get rid of it. Okay. But, <laughs> okay. but the thing, like, the tears of Cowboy fans have kept me going full-fledged all week. I've been on a natural high for a week because of the tears of a cowboy fan. That's petty, man. But he, you, you know why it's not petty? I'm going to tell you why it's not petty. Go ahead. We look at the Cowboys schedule. Okay? Let, 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 me, let me click on the Cowboys. The Cowboys started this season with the win over the uh, – I'm sorry, a loss to the Buccaneers. They beat the Bengals. They beat the Giants. They smashed the Commanders. Beat the Rams. And before they were coming in to face the Eagles, what were Cowboy fans saying? You like Dak? We them boys. This our year. They lost to the Eagles. 
They beat the Bears. I'm sorry, they beat the Lions, then they beat the Bears. Then they lose to the Packers. Smash the Vikings, beat the Giants, beat the Colts, beat the Bricks off the Colts, struggle against the Texans. But we them boys, this our year, freaky Zeke, you like that, all that. CD the man, CD going to be MVP this shit. That's all I heard all year long, right? You lose to the Jaguars. You beat the Eagles. You beat the Titans. You come into D.C. Oh, this about to be a cakewalk. We about to run up out of here. You get smashed. Don't even show up for the game. Yeah, you come back, you beat the you beat the Buccaneers. When they came into this game, I said the road stops here. And y'all asked me, was I ready to eat my crow? Go ahead and put that crow back in the freezer, baby, because I ain't eating nothing. That was BJ, but yes. yes. Put that crow back in the freezer because I ain't eating shit. Okay. This is what I'm talking about. You get fat off of bullshit. You get fat off these fake wins. You're not beating anybody. Anybody of substance that you should be beating you're not you're supposed to be this top tier team you struggle with the texans you couldn't beat the commanders yeah you beat a wounded tom brady who threw the ball 66 times you come in here you're supposed to beat the, the 49ers right you get manhandled and can't produce anything like i said in our group chat when Dak threw that first pick, I said Brett Maher should go over to him and tell him, hand the fucking ball off. Stop throwing. Hand the fucking ball off. Because when he made, when Brett Maher missed those field goals, when he missed those extra points, wasn't he talking shit about going for two? Poor leadership from Dak. Poor leadership. And the team is only good as his captain. And Dak, as much as I love him on a personal level and I love his story, he is not the guy that's going to get the Cowboys over the daggone hump. They're already talking about getting Carson Wentz from Washington and restructuring his deal. Nobody's saying they're saying that. Oh, my goodness. You must it's ain't heard. There's not a sane person in this world saying that. Man, it's somebody. You, you know, Jerry a little crazy. But that's the word on the street from my oh, sources. And nah, I got trusted nah. sources. I'll send. I'll send you the. I'll send you nah, the, uh, the tweet. Nah, it's all good. But I'll send it, it to doesn't you. Doesn't make sense. They said that's what they want, but why, I don't know why you would go with Carson Wentz because it seemed like a step back. But who am I? I wouldn't give a damn. I, I would trade the Cowboys, the 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 worst player I have every year, for them to build a franchise just so they could lose. I wouldn't give a damn. But. This is what I'm talking about, the Cowboy fans. Mm. You cannot keep saying that this is your year. We them boys. Y'all haven't been them boys since January of 96. You haven't been them boys. You are not him. Mark my words. If you look back at it, when Jerry Jones took over the Cowboys, yes, he was general manager, but who was he general manager with? Jim. Uh, Jimmy Johnson. Those years with Jimmy Johnson, what did they do? They pulled off one of the greatest trades in history, the Herschel Walker trade. Greatest trade in history, greatest train robbery in history. That turned them into a dynasty. 
Jerry had a problem because Jimmy was getting all the credit. He wasn't getting any, so he wanted Jimmy gone. Jimmy left. Here we go into the 94 season. You lose to uh, San Francisco in the, in the championship game. You come back in 95. You win. But guess what? You won with Jimmy's guys. So I, I never give Barry Switzer full credit for that championship win. You won with Jimmy's guys. Okay? Okay. Here's what you did wrong. Once Jerry Jones took over as sole uh, GM in 94, he never planned for the future. He never drafted another tight end to replace a Jay Novacek. He never drafted another running back to replace a Emmitt Smith. He didn't draft any quarterbacks to replace a Troy Aikman. He didn't draft up-and-coming receivers or bring anybody to Dallas as a receiver to replace a Michael Irvin. When he started bringing receivers to Dallas, he got a older Keyshawn Johnson. He got a older Vinny Testaverde. He got a older Terrell Owens. Seems Jimmy never, I mean, I'm sorry, Jerry never prepared for the future. And as long as he's sole GM and nobody else is in his ear saying, hey, we need to build for the future, not just this year, they'll never win a damn thing. But that's why the sun's in place now. The sun does a lot of the draft day stuff. That's why they didn't take Manziel. Good. That's why they took Pollard. And if you <clears throat> watch this year, they'll draft the run running back in this year's draft. Here's my thing. They'll let Zeke walk. I would let Zeke walk because after they gave him that money, I was like, you know, I was kind of happy they gave him the money. And this is not no slight. I was like, Zeke deserves it because he was top of the, he was top of the league. But he's declined every year since he signed that contract. It's right. like he got fat off of success. Well, it doesn't help that their line has been banged up too, especially Tyron Smith the yeah. last year. So, I mean. And think about this. Four years ago, five years ago, they had – arguably the best offensive line in football. Mm -hmm. And that was like the third or fourth year in a row, maybe even fifth year in a row that they had the best offensive line. Why didn't you start drafting guys and bringing guys in to be able to fill in? Because these guys are going to start going down. You know, offensive line, you always got to have that depth at offensive lineman for next man up. So the next superstar is there. Oh, they couldn't pay. What's his name? Lyle Collins. Right, they and didn't want to, and, and and that was also because he he was supposed to be their future left tackle, not right tackle. <laughs> True. Um, who else? They drafted didn't they draft Colin McGovern or something like that? I gotta look that up. But they drafted a a, a lineman <clears throat> to play guard. He didn't pan out, and then they've just been spinning their wheels since. And see, this is where now I understand Jerry's son is taking over the drafting duties, and, and he's mm -hmm. done a good job. Oh, I'm, I'm not gonna say Dallas has had bad draft when they drafted CD Lamb. My heart flooded a little bit because I'm like, Yeah, this dude is a talent, and I know I gotta see him for the next 10 to 12 years if they keep him, and he's gonna be a thorn in my side like Mike Worthen. He's gonna be a thorn in my side like Keyshawn. Keyshawn killed us before, too. So I, you know, I, I look at these things and I'm like, shit, this is gonna come back to bite us. Now they have receivers and they had Amari Cooper. You let him walk. You got Michael Gallup back. Huh? Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. What you what you got? 
Because I know you had something to say about Amari Cooper. That's why I said it. Because you, I mean, I, I wasn't, I wouldn't have paid him again. I let him go. The problem is you didn't draft a receiver, which is a great segue because I'm looking at <clears throat> my draft app, and they're going to have to move up to get a receiver, mm. one of the top guys. Because I think they have to start at receiver to put something on the other side of CD Lamb because you're running CD Lamb off the slot. So with them running out of the slot, that <clears throat> takes stuff from your tight end. And then with nothing on the outside of the field, I mean, it's easy to bracket somebody in the middle. Exactly. So what are we doing? And, think and that's about where this. Kellen Moore comes in. Because <clears throat> I think he's bailing out the wrong person. Think about this. I don't have a problem with Gallup. I think Gallup is a is a is a pretty good guy. I like him better in the slot. And I like I think Amari Cooper, paying Amari Cooper, I think you should have figured out a way to make it incentive laden so it was a little team friendly. Amari Cooper was one of the best route runners in the league, even with the bad ankle. Bye-bye. <laughs> y'all get rid of anybody. Like I'm scared. Like, are y'all gonna let me go one day? Are y'all gonna take me out in the passion and shoot me? <laughs> nah, it's just Certain certain spots, man. I'm sorry, like running backs or receivers, you're not doing it. You can get no, nah, not the way these receivers are coming out now. These receivers are coming out. I think if you look on the AFC side, I think it was Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jahan Doxon. Every receiver taken in the first round this year had like 700 yards, five touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Garrett Wilson won the um rookie of the year. A lot of they was probably second or third on the offensive side. And then, so, yeah, and then it's just that easy. You just got to find the right guy. And the guy I think Dallas should look at is um, the kid from Tennessee, Jalen Hyatt. He had, like, five touchdowns against Alabama. Mm. I don't know if he knows a route tree. That's the only thing that scares me about that kid. Exactly. Because it looked like. It literally looked like um, Tennessee was out there <clears throat> throwing plays in the dirt, you know, using bottle caps. And yeah. Rocks. I so, want to be the bottle cap. No, you the rock. I want to be the bottle cap. Right, exactly. Al <laughs> Pacino said, you know, I want you to go out there and run to the Cadillac and turn around. <laughs> That's all I want you to do. And I'll throw you it know? to you. Mom's, mom's calling you for dinner. You got one play left. <laughs> Go in the Cadillac and turn around. Oh my goodness! <laughs> uh, but this Dallas team, and this is what I'm trying to get fans to see. And I talked to a Dallas fan uh, last night, and she said, "Finally, somebody sees it the way I do." She said, "I understand you're a Commanders fan, but you see it just like I do." Jerry has to relinquish control because if he does not relinquish control, we're never going to go anywhere. And that's it. But this fan base of uh, Washington fans get a bad rap all the time. It's only because we local. Yeah. But we don't go. Like, I I, I, I used to have this joke. There are 32 offensive coordinators that are terrible at their job. Um, And there are 32 fan bases ready to get rid of that offensive coordinator. Because they believe he's predictable, they 
oh, it's a running play. I knew it was a running play. Dog, you got one or two choices. You 50 50 right at this point. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, so, like, I don't know, man. I just, <clears throat> yeah, it is. I knew it. I saw the look. Me, love. Say hi. Edo. Give me that. Say Edo. You got to get in the camera and wave. There Gosh, you go. Must have been you back. But yeah, yeah like I mean, it's just one of those things, man. I just feel like <clears throat> Dallas can get it together. They just got to find the right thing. Of course, every fan base believes their owner's an idiot or is their coach's an idiot. I mean, you'd be surprised stuff I hear people say about Tomlin. I'm like, you got Tomlin who hasn't had a losing season in 10, 15 years? <clears throat> Winning with Kenny Pickett, um, Mason Rudolph, Duck Hodges, just uh, uh, um, Charlie Batch. Mm. The only problem is they missed the offense coordinator, and they for some reason kept this one for another year. But that's probably not Tomlin's call. That's probably up top because the Roomies don't ever let him pick his assistants. And I think that I don't. If you want me to cook, you got to let me shop for the groceries all the way around. I think I think Flores was his, but I don't think he gets like the coordinators. I think he can get the other coaches, but most time the coordinators are handpicked for him. Here's my thing, and this is the hierarchy in any any place. And I think this is and after watching Hard Knocks with the Dallas Cowboys, I don't. I love the way Jerry Jones runs the organization because he, he's hands-on and I get that, but everybody can't do that. And, you know, him, he gave some uh, rookie, it was an undrafted rookie, he signed a contract. He gave that man a $20 signing bonus and he pulled $20 out of his wallet. It was crisp too and slid it across the table. It was like, there's your signing bonus. And he took it and, he took it and put it in his pocket. Hell yeah, money. I mean, it's money, but it's a simple fact. You, this dude don't get a signing bonus and you gave him a hot $20. It may, most people be like, oh, that's an insult. Nah, it's really not because it's $21 in your hand in the first place. So I don't give a damn. You just you signed me off the street. Nobody else wanted me. You wanted me. I'm cool with that. But here's the hierarchy of ownership that I the way I always saw it. You got your owner. Your owner has your GM. Your GM has the, the staff, you know, the scouts and all of that, but he has the coach. Then he tells the coach, you tell me what you need. I go to the store and get it. The coach hires his offensive coordinator, his defensive coordinator. The coordinators, they pick their assistants, running backs coach, wide receiver coach, DB's coach, line coach. They pick all of them. We all come together. We put together a win winning formula, and we go out there and we try to win some goddamn ball games. Being in ownership and having your hands in everything where you have a say about who I have on my staff. You say about what player I done picked up or who I want. Now, if he costs too much, his, his asking price is too much, I get it. But if you don't want him because, well, I'm an Alabama guy and he went to LSU, I don't really want him. What? I don't give a damn what school he went to. Can the boy read? Does he know what a route tree is? Does he know the difference between a nickel and a dime? I'm Okay. Can he play? Does he have? Is he? Does he have a high motor? Does he have character flaws? Oh, okay. Let's go. I don't give a damn what school you went to. Just my my opinion. But 
Dallas has a lot of work to do. And it's not a lot. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you trust Dak going forward in as the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys? Yeah. You really trust Dak? Yeah. You trust I think, Dakota? I, I think I think he I think he had some flaws this year. I still think part of it's from the hand. Um, but I think also part, part of his issue is I mean, when Tony Pollard went out the ball game, he couldn't turn around and hand the football off. You gotta run the football to, to make this thing work. And that's why I'm pro, hey, first or second round, I've been saying this all week. You gotta get a running back. Ezekiel <clears throat> Elliott takes the handoff, takes two steps, stumbles, and falls. He gets a half a yard every carry. This dude was running so hard at one point. All you seen was that big motel six towel flat flapping in the wind because he was gone to the second, third level. Almost every run. You know, you tackle him 12, 13 yards down the field, he jump up. And I'm like, okay, that's the Zeke that I'm looking for. He you, know, you take two steps, you fall down. No contact. What are you doing? <clears throat> I digress. No, I'm you not, I think I think no, no, no. simple. That's needs are simple. You need a corner, you need a running back, you need a wide receiver, and you need a lineman. Hmm. Don't get me started on corner. Much as I, I enjoy Trayvon Diggs, year before, what was it, last year? He had the 11 interceptions. And I was like, yo, Cowboy fans, like, we got a lockdown. We got a lockdown. I was like, no, you don't. I said, if you got a lockdown, nobody's going to throw at him. I said, he has more yards. Receivers get more yards on him than anybody else in the league. He gave up almost, if I'm not mistaken, it was over 1,000. I think it was 1,100 yards he gave up last year. He's a guesser. Hmm. But another thing that helps him is he used to play wide receiver. So, yeah. What he used to, what he did, if you look at his interceptions last year, it was a lot of deflections. It was a lot of balls tipped, and then he's coming in scooping up the the, the after the aftermath. So that's part of his, his thing. <clears throat> well. I'm not going to spend the rest of the night talking about no goddamn Cowboys because. Uh, All right. So, so let's ask this question. I, I, I got one thing to say about it. The tears of Cowboy fans and them throwing out TVs and punching it. I love the saltiness of your tears. Next. Go on. So you're San Francisco. Who's your quarterback next year? Ooh, don't, don't put that on me because I asked you that shit. Nah, I, I already know what mine is. Mine is Purdy. You said Purdy. But I'm, I'm, I'm riding with Purdy. <clears throat> Since it's Kyle Shanahan, I'll trust him to find a backup. And then I draft another kid. Okay, here's my and thing. Out, Trey Lance got to go somewhere. He can't stay here. Here's the problem. I seen somebody say, I think it was, I think I said this team 980 tweeted out, well, could Trey Lance come to DC? Hell no. Fuck, do we always got to keep getting people's retreads, man? I don't want nobody else's fucking headache. Well, I don't think you have to worry about that this year. I, I truly think, and my brother in law trying to steal content asked me some questions today. Um, <laughs> I told him it's content, but I, I, I actually answered them for him. I think it's how. <clears throat> A draft pick, late, six, seven for round guy, and then bargain the bargain bin in the corner where you reach in and find a quarterback that failed somewhere else. 
But it's only going to cost you $10 million? Veteran quarterback? Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> a, 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 a career backup oh, so, so that has a... That, that knows how to read the yeah. playbook and, you know, he knows how to come to work on. A Terod Taylor. The third string will love him because Tyrod will be in practice and get hurt, and the third string is now the backup, thanks to Tyrod. But Tyrod can stay healthy. Yeah, I wouldn't bring him, but he has a great IQ, and I always thought that at Virginia Tech. I said Terod Taylor is going to be a monster. He was in Buffalo – I told BJ, I said, the dude, if they let him loose, he's. I, I felt the same way about EJ Manuel. I was like, once EJ Manuel became the starter, he started rolling, then he tore his ACL. He was never the same after that. Mm. They had DJ Shockley, I thought, out of Georgia. DJ Shockley, I had such high hopes for him, but he never got a chance. Tore his ACL, never the same after that. Didn't have a big arm. That's why you have the West Coast offense, my brother. Mm. You don't have to have a big arm. To, okay, get what I'm saying. Joe Montana had a great arm, but it wasn't the cannon that Dan Marino had. That's but right. he got four championships because why? The West Coast offense and a great run game. I think he had the two best receivers in the league. I think John Taylor does not get enough credit. Okay, I can see that. And then uh, if you go to the early days before that, Dwight Clark, Freddie Solomon, Mike Wilson. Those guys mm -hmm. were, were, weren't slouches either. Then don't forget, he had one of the most underrated running backs who should be a Hall of Famer in Roger Craig. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to have a cannon for an arm to play in the NFL because guess what? It don't take much to throw a 10-yard hitch. It don't take much to throw a slant. A tight end delay. It doesn't take much. You can run West Coast offense and be successful. You can run uh, the pistol. I mean, and the read option and be successful. Okay. I'm just saying that it's so many guys I've had high hopes for that just didn't make it. So uh, let's okay. move on to a serious topic. Yeah, that okay is like, yeah, mm -hmm. that, that's that. Wait till you get home. I'm whoop your ass, That's that is. That's that is. I know what that is. I've heard that my whole life. I know what that is. That's what that is. Wait till you get on. I'm gonna tighten your motherfucking ass up. That's that's what that is. Um, that's honestly, I understand where you're coming from, but I just don't see it that way. I'm like I, I've said this before. I have a type. Quarterbacks, strong arms. I'm a sucker for. So this draft. So. <laughs> Um, Anthony Richardson, even though I wouldn't touch him, but I'm telling you right now, they're gonna put on shows, especially if Hooker can throw at the mm. combine, it's gonna be on some Josh Allen stuff. Okay, let, let me say this and then we're gonna move on. All right, cool. If you're a sucker for strong arm types, the quarterback that got me out of that, Kyle Bowler, yeah, but he he, he got me out of that because I seen him I, when he went mm. down on one knee. And he threw a ball 60 yards from a knee. And it was spot on. He threw it through the uprights. Mm -hmm. I said, that boy can throw. That boy, And then he was throwing. I seen him at his pro day and doing all that. And I watched all of that. He got to the lead. And I'm like, all right, I got such high hopes for this kid. He did nothing. They had to bring in Steve McNair. And that that that's something that broke my heart there. That Baltimore, 
Yeah, but Steve had it all. He had Steve, everything. He Steve could run. Just missed, he just missed out on having a top tier receiver. He had good receivers, but but never, never, never really got. Imagine Steve McNair with that 2012 Ravens team with uh Anquan Bolden and uh Jacoby Jones and uh what was the other receiver they had? Oh, that's a nice squad. Yeah, that, that, that works. And they had Ray Rice and run. He had a running back, two receivers, Todd Heap at tight end. You had yep. everything you needed. Imagine Steve McNair with those guys. Yep. I think they would have went 14 and 2, 15 and 1 with that defense. It wouldn't have been no competition whatsoever. They would have rolled into the Mercedes-Benz Superdome and forget the lights going out. They would have scored so much the scoreboard would have burnt out. Yeah, but you had January Joe, one of the greatest greatest moments in I mean, playoff runs in, in the history of, you know, football. Yeah, that's true. You know, the the um the mistake by the safety from um Denver letting the ball letting Jacoby Jones get behind him. That's true. What's his name? Moore? I don't remember. I think it's Kareem Moore or something like that. Um Kareem. Yeah, I should know Kareem Moore. Maryland product. Nah, it's not him. Nah, it's it's something else then. But that's just, just hold on. That's Let that's part of the that, we can go on to what we want to talk about with A. Reed. Yeah, A. Reed is out at Bethune Cookman University. Uh, <laughs> this is crazy. On December 27th of 2022, uh, A. Reed was hired as a new head coach of Bethune Cookman, their football team, before officially becoming the coach of the team. Uh, Bethune Cookman decided not to ratify his contract, causing him not to get the position on January 21st, 2023, which was uh, almost a week ago. Prior to his dismissal, Reed recorded a live stream in which he uh, he uh, voiced his criticism to the condition of the school's athletic facilities. After his contract was not ratified, Reed continued his criticism of the university, saying, I'm not withdrawing my name. As they say, they don't want me. They don't want me because I tell the truth. And it has come out. Uh, the president of Bethune-Cookman was on Roland Martin last night. And I haven't watched all of that interview. But here's my thing. And understand. And FY, FY is Raheem Moore. That's Raheem right. Moore. Okay. Because when you say Kareem Moore. Yeah, I, I, that's, he's Washington, that's the Washington kid number 41. Yeah. Okay. Um. And it's crazy. We were talking about the Ravens. Now we're talking about a Raven. Um, Deion Sanders has thrown his support behind a Reed. I don't think a Reed was wrong at no. all. No, I don't think he was wrong. I don't think he said anything wrong because if you don't document these things and we're talking about you coming into a facility, a, a, a university and everything is subpar. Baby, I can't win if it's subpar. You got to at least give me something on the level and let's build. Now, here's what I don't understand. When it comes to HBCUs, you have alumni associations. Alumni give back to the school, right? You have boosters. They give back to the school. Where's that money going? Not saying that that's what's happening at Bethune-Cookman. I'm saying, you know, HBCUs, where's that money going? Is the money even coming? I think those are great questions. And I think that's where the problem lies. I mean... A is it mis is it money mismanagement? Because you know, 
um, certain places, um, dollars tend to grow legs and hop in pockets um, unknowingly or unwilling, well, not unwillingly, but willingly in the pockets they don't belong in. <clears throat> so what, what's, what's, what's the real thing? What's the level of accountability? Hmm. And accountability. I think that's going to be the word for 2023 and so many situations, accountability. And I thought about this when we were talking about Dallas and Dak and leaders and something I learned a long time ago. Any leader, whether you're the leader of men, the head coach, anytime you're in a leadership role, you have two responsibilities. Accountability, responsibility. Those are your two roles as a leader. If you can't do those two things, you're not fit to lead. Now, um, this is a this is an article from Football Scoop. Okay. Uh, while he never got the opportunity to coach in the game or even a spring practice, Ed Reed's tenure as head coach of Bethune Cookman was full of fascinating storylines. From the announcement of him as head coach to the now infamous viral videos picking up trash on campus, showing how the office he inherited was unacceptably dirty, and most recently his last team meeting featuring an appearance from Coach Prime. Reed has been authentically and unapologetically himself to the very end. Here's my thing. If if I'm hiring you as my head coach and you're taking over of, of an office, before you even come on to the facilities to go into your office, it's brand spanking new and sparkling. I want you to put your touch on this because this is your place. This is your domicile. This is where you're going to spend and you're going to win games for us here. I'm trying to give you everything you need that I can. How hard is that? Do I? I'll wait on this because you might, you might be a happy man today. You might be happy today. Um, might be no no 30-30. Might not be a 30-30, but I'm just going to say. Here we go. Um, with this every thing, I think it just shows a lack of professionalism on, on so many levels. <clears throat> that this could be happening on a college campus. <clears throat> and I think the HBCUs are messing up by <clears throat> falling in love with some of these celebrity coaches. Because, yes, you're getting that bump, but sometimes that bump comes with your key word, responsibility. And when you give somebody responsibility or something, especially someone that's had stuff and knows what it looks like, it's hard for them to settle. It's real hard for them to settle. And I think that's the case here. Ed wasn't going to settle half halfway half ass so definitely i hope that this is not the end of the road for one ed reed and the coaching ranks in college football anywhere else whether it be pro i hope this is not the end of the road because he spoke up hope this doesn't become a black ball issue so yeah move it over move it over move it over what they say let's say 81 to 76 the Georgetown Hoyas have broken their Big East losing streak. 
Get off my back. <laughs> Get off my back. Pull your saxophone, baby. Moving you on. I, nah, nah, I, I don't celebrate mediocrity, baby. Uh, Ask my kids about that. I don't celebrate mediocrity. But um, uh, last last topic, and this affects you. This is affects the boss, BJ. Rui Hachimura has been traded from the Washington Washington Wizards to the L.A. Lakers for Kendrick Nunn and two second round picks. I believe it is. Yes, no, three, three second round picks. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask a question, but you know, it's always too early to tell who won this trade. You can't tell until at least, at least a year from now. But off the preliminary, who is the upside on this trade? Who who has the upside so far on this trade? We won the trade. <laughs> Are you saying that because of... uh? <clears throat> well, no, I think Kendrick Nunn has kind of just flailed now because of the bone bruise he had two years ago. So he just hasn't been back to being uh, the Kendrick Nunn, the 40% three-point shooter. Um, he hasn't been back to being himself. <clears throat> the three second-round picks I don't really care about because I'm not a big fan of um, second-round picks in the draft of the NBA because – Probably There's 20 of them never see the league. There's nothing there. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, it ain't, it ain't like Maybe it was in get, the late guy. 80s and early guy. 90s. You get Tony Parker, Draymond. <clears throat> oh, what's my man from Wisconsin? Um, played in Milwaukee, Michael Red. You get guys in the second round, Rashawn Leonard. That's so there are guys in the second round that you, you can pick, but. <clears throat> they hit or misses so so fast that yeah and I thought Rui was always a guy that um I thought he'd be really good I'm, I'm sorry he was a good player his ceiling was probably really good but his floor was kind of good if that makes sense it does and with the Lakers he doesn't have to be I mean, he's going to fall into the bad spot of being the third or fourth guy in a LeBron James offense. So when you're that guy, your shots aren't consistent. <clears throat> so he's going to do the, the, the little things to kind of get his game going. And if he can get us like 10, 8 to 10 boards, I think he'll get 10 points on accident. Like, that's a part of this game that I struggle with, like, so many of these guys don't rebound, don't do the little things. And you can steal 10 points just off of just following up. Like, it's so amazing how I watched, like, I, I watched Georgetown the other night. And the kid Primo, I think he went for 37 or 40. So that was, that was great. But the problem was, every time Georgetown came down and in their sets, they just, it was like they said, forget it. I'm just going to take a shot. I'm just going to get something. I'm going to get mine. And that's what it felt like. It felt like a get mine kind of game at certain points of the ball game, which was crazy. Hero um, ball. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's I, I used to call it um, 
there's the Clippers team that like everybody was a free agent. <clears throat> you had like Corey McGetty, Darius Miles, um, Odom. I think you even had Quentin Richardson and company. And they did their thing, but they, their problem was everybody was trying to get paid. So everybody had to score. Nobody did the dirty work. Mm. Now, I asked you a question about Hachimura, and then we'll go to Kendrick Nunn, and then we'll wrap up. <clears throat> I asked you a question about Hachimura. I said, don't you think Hachimura could be um, a Lamar Odom type, a uh, not quite Lamar Odom, so please don't take it that way. I'm saying if not 20 and 10, a 15 and 10 guy, uh, a poor man's Lamar Odom, because, you know, Ron Harper was always considered a poor man's Jordan because of the way he could light up the scoreboard. But you think Hachimura could be a poor man's Lamar Odom if he can stay healthy because in his career, he's missed 95 ball games, 48 the first year, 57, 42. He's only played 30 this year. Um, yeah. Do you think he can get on, you know, get on his horse and be a poor man's Lamar Odom? Give you 15 and 10, whether it be 15 points, 10 assists, uh, 15 points, 10 rebounds. Um, 15 assists and 10 rebounds, 10 rebounds and, and 15 assists, or 10 assists, you know, no matter yeah, how, I don't, I, don't see Ru- I don't see Rui as a, um, a LO type because of the ball handling skills and the point guard prowess that, um, Lamar displayed. I had a kind of a tumultuous relationship with Lamar, the player on my team. Um, I think I felt like he left some. I, no, no, no I, I truly do. I, I feel like he left. There were nights where he left um, points, rebounds, assists on the table. Um, I thought he should have been more dominant. I didn't think if he was the dominant guy that he he could have been. I think they win a championship without having to add Powell Gasol, mm. but they had to out add Powell because. He didn't have that that one gear, and, and 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 it's no offense to him. It's just something that was missing. Like he didn't have a go to in the in the in the crunch. So when I watch Rui play, <clears throat> I see. I'm trying to think of who I would say. He doesn't have hops, so it's not like a camp. He's probably like a poor man's um uh what's the Davis brothers? Like I think he can be not even a poor man's version of them, but he could be a version of the either Dale or um Antonio? Um, yeah, I think he can be in that realm. Because that's what he's gonna have to be in LA. He's not gonna have to he can't be he can't require touches. Mm-hmm. I guess he's gonna that. have to be a guy that has to get touches. Like he's Off rebounds. Gonna, right. He's going to have to manufacture his touches. And that's the only reason I say, like, one of those guys. Not because he, not saying he can't shoot. I'm saying that they had to manufacture their own buckets. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, they weren't getting shots because you had Jalen, you had Reggie, you had Rick Smith. So they kind of got the leftovers. And I think that's what he's going to get. He's going to get the leftovers. And can he handle the leftovers? and actually produce numbers. Here's the thing. I'll never let you sully the Davis boys' reputation ever again on this show. What? Because he cannot. 
my favorite saying right about now he ain't got that dog in him but you know what i'm getting at though i like, get what you're saying like he's got a saying the davis boys like i remember being frustrated at mark jackson coming down the lane with that teardrop and dale davis coming out of nowhere nah nah i'm like yo why the fuck ain't nobody boxing this dude out i remember those games i remember uh, antonio davis coming down the lane putbacks putbacks off he come he's around mid-range somebody shoot he's rushing in put back put back if he don't theory. have that dog like they had but it's the theory that i'm working with, work with I, the I, get theory. That. I get that i get that the theory see? i'm with that but when see, you I'm, talk about the davis boys see, i understand you see, see sometimes when, when you analyze you gotta you kind of gotta go to a place you know what i'm saying i can't i can't make the horse drink but i can take them to the water you know what i'm saying and that's all I was trying to do. I'm trying to take you to the water. You know what I'm saying? Take me to the river. <laughs> Wash me down. <laughs> and then um, you asked me about none. Yeah, Kendrick Nunn. Um, I think his situation is going to all, all depend on his leg. And then here's the problem I have with Washington: is you've drafted Kispert, you've drafted. Hachimura, you drafted um Kisper Johnny Davis. Don't forget Adia. And Adia. And each time you've drafted these four guys, there's been a guy right behind them, whether it's Tyrese Halliburton or whomever, that's been a little bit better that I thought they were going to take. And they took the the, the other person. Like Kispert is going to be good, but he's going to be a good, he's a seven man. He's an eight. You know what I'm saying? And in your first round pick, you can't draft a seven or eight. You know, it's like going, like if you go on a prom and you want the hottest date, you can't ask the girl at the last minute unless she just got her heart broken. Like you can't wait for late. You know what I'm saying? Um, also, with who else? Kispert, um, Avia. I just don't know. It's, it's amazing to me that a franchise can have. And I, this is my dad's term because my dad used to always say, and we we probably we're in the same, we're close to the same age bracket. I'm a little bit higher up on the totem pole when it comes to this, but um, my dad used to call white basketball players, you know, driveway shooters. You know, you don't let them shoot the rock. Well, I think the Wizards have managed with Jan Vesely and Denny Avia to find the only two Caucasians that can't shoot or aren't good shooters. It's amazing to me. I like I don't even know how we get in that process and we get to the point where like like they should have been disqualified just for missing the open shot. Like you, you let your race down. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Um see that's the problem. Johnny Davis. This dude can't get out of the G League. And honestly, their best G League player is the kid Goodwin that they called up um last early in the season. So it, it, so so like where's the talent evaluation of this team? I get some of it. So I get the there's a year they were supposed to they wanted or they were projected to draft um Robert Williams, the kid from that's in Boston now. I think he went to like Mississippi State or whatever. And the big knock on that kid was he was late for meetings, he was always late for stuff, and you had to get him out of that. And I forget who they drafted in this place, but that year they drafted somebody, and of course, in true wizards fashion. The guy really didn't make an impact. So it's like 
you you need a big. Just take the big and try to figure it out. And they just won't do that. Like they get, it's almost like they get mediocre guys just so they can be mediocre. Yeah. Now you you brought up Jan Vesely, a boy named Jane. Um, <laughs> after he was drafted six. Now this is just the first round. Bismarck Biombo, Brandon Knight, Kimball Walker, who's out of the league right now, and I really think that Washington should be giving him a call. Um, Jimmer Fredette, Clay Thompson, Alec Burks, Markeith Morris, Marcus Morris, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Nikola Vucevic, Amon Shumpert, Chris Singleton, Toby, Tobias Harris, my man. Uh, can nobody, can't no dude. I already said this before, and I don't know if I said it on our shows, but the second that Tobias Harris signed, Ben Simmons went to the office like, no joker named Tobias can make more money than me. I don't care what y'all say. Sorry. I really I guess. Here's the thing. Uh, and then, you know, running down, it's just a lot of big names. Jimmy Butler, um, Bohan Bogdanovich, uh, Kyle Singler. They drafted Shelvin Mack in the second round. And Tyler oh. Honeycutt, Jordan Williams, Chandler Parsons was available. Uh, Davis Bertans, who wound up playing here. Um, geez. Isaiah Thomas was the last pick of that draft. Here's a question. With the addition of Kendrick Nunn, um, this team is still not really going to do much. But long shot here. Why is it that Washington never goes after players? that could possibly help this team like a Carmelo Anthony, a Kimball Walker. Whoa, 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 whoa. So for me, Kimba's always enough. Cause we always talk, I mean, all we've ever talked about the last 10 years in the city is this team made to play some kind of defense. And Kimba Walker gives you absolutely zero on the defensive end. He might give you negative 11 on the defensive end. Um, Carmelo, um, I mean, I think that should be sailed for the most part. Just because, I mean, last year when he was playing in L.A., all, all teams did was try to find out who he was guarding, and they just went to hit that player. didn't matter who it was. It could have been the dude that was selling popcorn in the fifth row. But if Carmelo was guarding him, we was getting him the ball and, like, yo, you got to cook. The reason why I say that. Because the Wizards, see, if the other team scores more points than you, you lose. The Wizards can score more points than anybody on the damn earth, but can't stop nobody. Even Bradley Bill said it. They can't defend a parked car. I just, but here's my thing. With Bradley Bill being in and out the lineup so much, Mm -hmm. you got Kuzma, you got Porzingis, right? Porzingis is out for a couple weeks. Okay. With the sprint ankle. Wait, I don't even. Oh, there you go. Um. Okay, you got Pozingas out, Bill in and out the lineup. So everything's going to follow the Kuzma. Why not get you a hired gun to help take some of that scoring load so you can score your 135s? Wes Unsell Jr. has to. I thought when he walked in the door, he had to pre- preach 
the philosophy of defense. You have the skills to score. That's great. I don't want to take away from that. I want you to score at will. You got the green light, Bradley Bill, Porzingis, Kuzma. Y'all got the green light, Gafford. Get the rebound, put that shit back, and stuff it. All of that. I need y'all to focus on defense. I need you to be talking to each other. I need you to rotate. I need you to do everything that's fundamentally sound defensively. Then I need you to turn it up 10 notches. Because if you can score 135 and you hold a team to 101, that means we win the fucking game. If you can hold a team to 79 and you score 81, that means we win the fucking game. And don't tell me defense does not exist because Thibodeau made a fucking career off of it in Chicago. Everybody said how boring it was, but it wasn't boring to me because we were the number one team in the East four years in a row and got cheated every goddamn year by the fucking refs in Miami. So don't tell me it's boring and don't tell me it's not fucking possible. You're a multi-million dollar player. You know your problem is defense. Don't you think you should say, hey, we need to focus on defense more. If I strap up as the leader of this team, if I take accountability and responsibility as the leader of this team and strap up, Everybody else should follow suit. You don't want to follow suit, they're the fucking door. How hard is that? In this NBA, it's very hard. We watch KG. If you watch a game right now, how many times do you see a basketball go off the rim, land on the floor, bounce twice before somebody goes to go get it? Too many times. Like the 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 mentality in this this league right now is it's bad basketball at times. Um and I'm not even trying to say that from an old man shaking his fist at the cloud standpoint. Like I'm saying it from a standpoint of as a coach that, that is that watches basketball, like it it irks me the way the game is played, the level at which we play it, the selfishness in which we play basketball. I watched the game the other night, and I think it was Georgetown. But all the guard had to do was just get the ball to the court. Like, just take, look ahead, advance the basketball. We got a layup. Instead, the dude face to the corner, he sees them late. Um, no, it's actually Villanova that had to play. Um, they see the big late. They throw him the ball underneath the rim. But by the time he catches it, it's two people trying to block his shot. Whereas if you took that pass just a step or two sooner, it's a layup. And you, it's like... You give away free buckets, and that's what irks me with this game is we are forced to watch a product where the easy bucket, the, the, the simple two, is just – it's like a misnomer. It's like it's almost like – it's almost like cussing if you take a two. If you take the easy layup, it's like you just saying shit, whatever, 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 all, all across the place, and, and and that shouldn't be the case. The two is the easiest thing. Like two two ads up, you know. But instead, we we watch a league now where, I mean, if you think about it, I think we're at a pace right now where teams are shooting like forty to forty five three pointers in a in a game. And that's a problem because you know what it's happens when problem. they see that. In, yeah, it's a problem. You know why it's a problem? Because I'm, I'm, you out. I'm gonna tell you why it's a problem. You see the trickle down of it. You see the trickle down from the NBA to the colleges to the high schools, to the middle schools, to the AAUs, and you see guys wanting to be James Harden, want to bring the ball up and, and do all this and, and dribble, and, and then 
I seen a video, and I know you probably seen it because it's been around for a while. It was a young man kept trying to dribble at the top of the key, he trying to yank the dude. He trying to yank his man is like <laughs> he pointing at the basket, everything wide open. They standing around watching him dribble. He like, I'm right here. Dude did all of that just to bounce the ball off his damn foot and turn the ball over. Because he kept trying, you keep thinking it's not even an and one thing. I hate the simple fact that these kids, and it, it starts at the low level. You seeing mixtape from kids in the third grade, and they taunting their opponents, they pointing at them, and and you know, you doing all that. You can't do that to my kids. When my kids were in third grade, they were taught 80s basketball. He taunt on you, okay. When you come down the lane, right there. All straight elbow. I don't care if you get suspended or what. Put him on his ass. Oh, don't hit my baby like that. The man, I hit you like that. All that's not necessary. I'm not saying you're ruining the game, but you're not even trying. You don't even have the skills to put up 40 shots a game from three because you don't practice the three-pointer. People think. Oh, I can go out there and shoot like Steph Curry. I'm sorry. Kids think I can go out there and shoot like Steph Curry. My, my youngest son did it for a little while. And I said, how many shots did you take? He said, 10. They stopped passing me the ball. I said, you shot every time you got the ball, didn't you? Yeah. I said, where were you shooting from? And my oldest son was like, he was trying to shoot threes all day. I said, that's not your game. When Do you practice that? Are you sitting there shooting threes all game? No, you're not. Okay, Pat. That's that infamous clip that went viral. Yeah. Do you practice that? Because if you you have to practice how you play, you don't practice and make and play circus shots and spinning it off the backboard because that's not practice things that are going to happen in the game. Practice game situations. Practice game shots. Practice the mid range. I told my oldest son, I said, when you get in the gym, start from inside and start shooting and start moving yourself back till you get to the inside of the perimeter. Once you can shoot from right there consistently, everything else will come naturally. But kill him in the mid-range game because nobody's expecting you to play like that. And I stopped him at 15 from playing with kids. I said, you will no longer play with kids. You will play with grown men. I took him to the gym with me. I told the fellas, I said, I don't care. They said, we're not letting them play on the team with you because you're going to coach them. I said, all right, if we ain't going to play on the team together, y'all better go hard on them. You better knock them down, all of that. Play them like you're supposed to. And he never backed down. That's what these kids need because the NBA has become so highlight realish. It's a poor product. The big man is non The center position is non-existent. Everybody's a stretch four or stretch five. Yep. I'm sorry. I'm off my soapbox. No, no, that's, that's that's a great soapbox to be on because I because I understand it. Um, so you know your kids, you know people would taunt your team or taunt somebody. Um, like I had my taunt eraser when I coached basketball. I had a kid, Courtney Flumo. Anytime I looked down the bench, he would know the look. Like something would happen, and I just turn, and next thing I know, he walking up the thing, coming past me, taking his taking his um things off. He's like, which one you want, coach? I'm like, just just high pick. And just let him to the guard and let him walk into it. And we'd walk a kid into a couple picks and we good to go. And I'm happy. You know, life is all good. A couple of them might be illegal, but that's what the, hey, don't worry about that. That's on me. 
You get caught for illegal screening, that's on me. That's so and, so I agree with that. That's my type of philosophy. What did but, John Cheney say? But we don't teach basketball like that no more. But what did John Cheney say? Sometimes you gotta have a guy at the end of the bench, you gotta have a goon. Yeah, and he was my goon. Mm. Georgetown. What was the dude? Um, God, what was his name? Ballhead dude. Uh, Michael Graham. Yeah. He was a goon. Yeah. On that championship team, he was a goon. Yeah. But he he had more heart and more hustle than anybody else in the country. None of these kids have any heart anymore. Because guess yeah. what? Most NBA players don't have heart anymore. You don't see guys diving in the crowd for a loose ball. You don't see guys a loose ball on the floor. You don't see guys slide on the floor to get the get the loose ball. And, and you know, you got two guys wrestling for it. You know, you remember that old school shit. You mean you wrestle for the ball. Somebody got to yell first. Right. You don't it's have cool. that no more. Where's the hustle? See, but you're, you're talking about a game. So 80s, 90s was a lunch pill basketball game. This ain't lunch pill. This is this is DoorDash. This is Uber Eats. You know what I'm saying? We want that shit coming to our door. We ain't got to go get it. We ain't got to work for it. Somebody's going to pull their car up. We're going to walk outside and pick it up. That's the type of basketball we're playing now. Mm, and when you, said the three point, when you said the three-point shot, I listened to some um, thing last year, and the guy was like, yeah, like there's a point where we're probably going to see teams shooting upwards of 60 three-pointers because, like, because of analytics, the line – he called it the line of demarcation for shooting the three where the 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 um the 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 um what's the word I'm looking for where it's not worth it anymore that point of where it's not worth it or it's not gonna work is at like 65 three points mm. and we want to get to that point first before you see it change the juice is worth the squeeze that's the, the saying I was going for here's my thing not once in his lifetime. And I, I was just talking to Boss BJ about this because I watched a a young dude, a young streamer on Twitch. He said he didn't like playing old heads, is what he called us, you know, 40 and up in Madden because all they do is run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Like he uh, he was like, this dude ran the ball and he only left me 18 seconds in the first quarter. So if you can't stop it, say you can't stop it. He asked the dude, he said, how do you? He said, 41. He's like, good game, OG. And just quit the game. He quit. <laughs> and I was telling the boss, BJ, I said, man, I remember back in the day, we used to play 2K and live, and guys used to come out, shoot threes all day long. And I would go down to him maybe about 11, 12, and I'd be like, okay. But I would keep consistently hitting inside stuff and, you know, layups. And But then in the second half, when them threes don't start falling, them long rebounds come. I grab them things off the board and I'm running. That's when the fast breaks start because right. a long rebound always starts your fast break. And if I can fast break you to death, that 10, 11 point lead, six possessions, I'm up by one because you're going to keep shooting that three. You're going to keep going to the well too often and it's going to be dry. Six possessions, I'm up. Then imagine another six possessions, I'm up even more and you're still trying to shoot your way back out of it, but you just shot yourself out of the game. Mm-hmm. We watched it with Houston a couple of years ago in the conference finals. They went 0 for 27 and shot themselves out of a game. This is what I'm talking about. When can you see that this is detrimental to the sport? You're not going to see it because you're looking at it 
numerically and not um, from a substance or a place of substance. You're not doing it that way. I'm just I'm just being honest, KG. I mean, and I'm, I get I'm, that, and like, I don't know I don't know any other way to look at it. Like even I mean, think about it. I think John Wall had an interview, and like I think Houston's got like two kids that were picked in the first like three picks or whatever. And he's just like the way they play basketball. If they were anywhere else besides Houston, they wouldn't be in the league. But they've become so comfortable with losing and so comfortable with the situation they're in. Um, that the only place they can play like this is Houston because Houston doesn't care. And like I watch so many games, <clears throat> I almost feel bad for some of the college guys because if you're a college guy, your best time to come out is after your freshman year. Because every year you get older and you become less important to them when it comes to the NBA. Because now they get to actually start looking at your game and dissecting your game. Instead of just thinking about your potential, <clears throat> like it's worthless now to be a senior coming out of college. It's it's and that used to be the best part because you had experience. Now it's the worst thing because you got experience, which means you weren't good enough to leave early. Mm. That's what it tells tells the league now. And here's the thing, you 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 a senior. We got the midnight rider senior coming out of I, 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 out of North Carolina. He's been the Three NCAA uh, finals games. He's been at the Final Four, and 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 in his freshman year, he was at the Elite Eight. He has the experience to go on a long run. He's going to have a long, productive career. Not anymore. The Midnight Rider is not hot commodity. The thirty seventh pick in the second round, mm-hmm. or the forty fourth pick in the second round. That's when the guy like that is going now. Exactly. Now you think of, think of the kid. Um, and I, and the only reason his name pops up is a he's a Villanova kid. And B, that's why I thought since I, when Boston was wearing these funky jerseys, I thought it was D, D Vincenzo from Villanova. Yeah, on a like championship team. Yeah. yeah, he was on the championship team. Okay, we, we're not going to bring that up, but yeah, he was on the team that played in the. Yeah, he was most outstanding player. So he played college basketball. It sounds like you were a little upset about that. So. Yeah, you know, and, and it's just like guys like that, he's like what the eighth, ninth guy on the bench right now. Exactly. You know, these, these guys that are seniors don't they don't shoot up the rosters anymore. They because they're stuck. They're stuck because they don't they're seen as guys that don't have the upside. Like I'm telling you right now, if we watch any parts of the NBA draft, the most annoying thing is wingspan, upside, because that's all they talk about. They don't talk about anything about the player's game. You you know who I feel sorry for? (laughs) I feel sorry for the elementary school players because you want to talk about this too. Yeah, they 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 they. I feel sorry for them because they're saying what, and even some of the NBA players are disgusted behind it. But there shouldn't be a mixtape for a nine-year-old. There shouldn't be video cameras at nine-year-old games, and you're ranking nine. You're you're ranking middle schoolers. Oh, he's the number one middle school. No, that type of pressure does not come in middle school. You don't put that type of pressure on them. You do know that's been going on since like I never forget. I was at I was at Enterprise, so this had to be two thousand two, two thousand three. One of the guys at our office 
was a um, AAU coach. And, like, he would get the press release where they ranked the kids and it'd be, like, the top 50 seventh graders, top 50 eighth graders. I hate it. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. We were playing. So I used to coach at um, – I used to coach middle school ball uh, with my boy Daryl Tucker. And um, we played this team. It was Holy Family, who was one of the top teams in the area. They, they get kids out. They, 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 they do a good job. But their point guard was like the number one point guard in the country. So after the game, I'm like, if that's the number one point guard in the country, we got a problem. I've seen a lot of kids like that. I didn't like Kendall Marshall when I saw him at um, where did Kendall go? Was he at? I think he went to O'Connell. I watched him play. I was like, Ugh. he got to Carolina his junior and senior year, balled out. Mm-hmm. Um, who's the other kid that they had? Nate. Oh, uh, what is Nate's last name? Um, Briggs, Biggs, something like that. Nate Bridges, maybe something like that. They went to Gonzaga, watched them play. Wasn't impressed, but Nate Britt, that's who it was. He he had a decent career at Carolina also, but it's amazing when we see, you see these guys and like the opportunities they get. Some guys get great opportunities, other guys don't. You, you know something? I'll never forget a story that you told. It was I think it was like early last year. You talked about a parent saying something to you as a coach that you, he they were she was taking her son off your team to play for another team because she was thinking about her son's brand. Oh yeah. <laughs> and when you said that, I didn't say it at the time and I always think about it and that shit pisses me off to the fucking core, man. Because you're not thinking about your child's brand. You're thinking about what you can get out of it. You know, as the parent if my son's playing for you and my son's averaging 28, 29 points because, you know, you got him rolling, but you're teaching him the fundamentals of the game. You're teaching him how to play the game the proper way. You're not saying run up and down the court and just fast break. And, you know, we're going to run a version of the system, but you're not teaching the fundamentals of the system. And for those that don't know, go look up 1990 Loyola and look at what the system is because even uh, Paul West had took that to the WNBA and it worked. He won a championship, if I'm not mistaken, in the WNBA using the system. But you're teaching him that I'm not taking my son away from you. When you move to the next level, my son's going with you. Yeah, that, that situation was kind of toxic in his own right. Um, and the kid ended up, I think, at the math of playing. I think he won like a couple tournaments. Like I think they won the all- what is that joint? The all Habrium or something like that. Um, so he got some hardware from being um, at a top tier school. But the problem was he ended up like at Norfolk State. And there's no shot, no shot to Norfolk State. But with the kid's ability, he could have ended up higher up with a little bit more exposure. But he ended up being like the eighth or ninth guy on a really, really good team. So I don't know. I, I felt bad for him in one guard and another regard. I just felt like, like you gotta you gotta take your lumps down because that's what you chose to do. And see, that's the, the the problem that I have with the way the game is played. Everything has to be add water. Success comes out instead of taking the steps towards success. Everybody wants to take the elevator. And 
that's not just in sports that's in life you can't there's no easy way to get to success if you don't work hard for it it means nothing if you go to the beach and scoop up some sand and watch how it goes through your fingers that's what fast success does it's there but you're not gonna be able to hold on to all of it because it goes through your, your fingers now go pick up a cinder block and hold that cinder block in your hand and that hard work that you put in to get there, that's that cinder block. You holding the whole thing right there as a whole. That, 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 that's all I'm saying. I, I'm, I'm not going to keep philosophizing. That's all I'm saying. All right. I just, like, I could go on and on and on. Oh, no, we at 1.30 right now. Yeah, I know. And I could go on and I didn't mean to go this far, but it, it, this is just something that irks me. In, not just the sports world, but the world today. And I, I, you know, everybody say OG, OG. I'm not an OG. I'm just me. Triple OG, super OG. You know, I'm I'm just me. And I tell I tell my my, my older girls this all the time. I've been your age before. You've never been mine. Everything that you're seeing right now, everything that you're going through, and you think is insurmountable, it's just a fucking rerun to me. Right. I done been through it 10 times, got a badge and a t-shirt for it because I got through it. Sometimes you got to run. Yeah. You, you got to run into a wall head first. Sometimes it's a brick wall. Sometimes it's drywall, but sometimes the stud in the middle, you're going to really hurt yourself, but sometimes you got to take that chance. What I'm saying is nothing worth having comes free. You want to shoot like Steph Curry, you need to be out there taking 10,000 shots every day. You want to have handles like James Harden and and, and all Kyrie. those guys, Kyrie and uh, 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 Jamal Crawford, you got to go put the work in. You can't just pick up a basketball and think you're going to be able to do it. No, you got to practice that. You know how long I stood in the parking lot around Mattaponi practicing the sham guard? <laughs> until I could actually pull it off in the game until I was confident enough how I was one thing I could do before I could really shoot consistently was dribble because I was out every day dribbling every time I moved I had to dribble I had to go to the mailbox I was dribbling dribble up with my right hand come back with the left dribble up with the right hand come back with the left dribble down the sidewalk go down one side of the sidewalk come back the other sidewalk people was like well you don't go to the wreck why you don't go to the wreck no I don't need to because when I got the chance to actually play in school, in school. and I played in, in gym and guys, it's like, oh, he can't really play. All he can do is rebound. Now, I rebound because I won. But when I caught those long rebounds and I took off up court and dudes thought they was going to pick my pocket and I could make two moves. Oh, well, he not going to shoot you damn right because there's a man standing underneath the basket. Easy pass. I take the assists over the points all day long. <laughs> all day long. Yeah. I'll take that all day long. I'll say that for later. But I got a story for that. But you got to work at it. So we need to get out of here because I know the, the phone going to be ringing off the hook soon. And mm -hmm. the boss BJ going to find me for this. But I had to do this. That's the Midnight Rider. I'm the big guy, KG. I can't say we don't do no overtime because, God damn it, we did it tonight. But I told you we was leaving on time. It ain't even 10 o'clock yet. Last person out, turn the lights off. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night.